0: Welcome to episode five of our chapel podcast series, Fruit of the Spirit. This week's fruit is Patience, brought to you by Trinity College Queensland, presented by Emma Nichols. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, Should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, Open the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hello everyone. How you doing? It is such a privilege to have a go at preaching today. Thank you. (laughs) Amazing. It's so normal on my face. The fruit of the spirit that I'm preaching on today is patience. And the title of my sermon is The Patience of the Saints. What is patience? Patience is the ability to wait. The reason why I chose to do patience or my fruit of the Spirit, is because it's always bothered me that in Christian worship music we sing about waiting for the Lord. I felt like I never really understood what that meant. Is God running late? Does he have too many other important things to do? Do we need to wait our turn? What does it really mean to wait on the Lord? The more I think about it, the more I realise that waiting today is not really seen as a good thing. I don't know about you, but I don't like going down to Woolworths on a Saturday afternoon when everyone else is doing their grocery <laughs> shopping. <laughs> it's not seen as a good thing, and the advertising industry knows it very well. So I have a little confession to make. I realise that I'm not a very patient person. <laughs> because last uh, this year, last year actually, I got for my birthday an Amazon Kindle e-reader. It's my favorite thing (laughs) because it's so convenient. I can buy books instantly that I would have had to wait for weeks and weeks to come from Book Depository. And it's awesome because you can just have it like that. Even books you can't buy down at the shops, you can just get it online. And all I have to do now is to hop onto the Amazon web page, find that book that I want, and there's this dangerous, dangerous button. You know what I'm talking about. It's the one-click purchase button. You click on that and your money's gone. And um, I've realized lately, after checking my account a couple of times, (laughs) that um, sometimes I get so excited about buying a new book that I don't even check if it's in the library or it's on Pelago. And I've been caught out a couple of times, and that's not good. I'm getting far better, because it's not good for the student budget. (laughs) Waiting is not seen as a very good thing today, and our culture knows it. But in the Bible, again and again, the image of waiting is by far an overwhelmingly positive image. There's so many stories of people who wait Abram and Sarah, Elizabeth and Zechariah, wait their whole lives to be blessed with a child. Joshua and his troops walk around and around the city for seven times, Jericho, before they do anything else. Joseph, innocent and accused of rape, waits in prison for two years, and then a further 14 years to see his father again. Prophets like Jeremiah weep and wail waiting for redemption to come even as they themselves are carried off into exile with everyone else. Jesus, I notice, is profoundly patient with his disciples, you know, who just can't get it together. (laughs) And then again, again in the epistles, we see this image of people of faith running the race, fighting the good fight. And then in Paul's letter to the Galatians, patience is one of these fruits of the Spirit. And I found it so illuminating to look up the meaning of the word in Greek for patience, makrothymia, to see that it also means patience, but also endurance, forbearance, long-suffering. See, throughout the, throughout the whole of scriptures, this image of the so-called patience of a saint is less like the nice, good Christian, who can play well with others in the sand pit really well. More like someone running a marathon, who can put up with the blisters on their feet, the aching in their legs, the sun on their backs, and the sweat in their hair, because they know that they run in the strength of something far, far bigger than themselves. And they run in a story far, far greater than their own. Today I've chosen Psalm 130 that Rachel just read for us as our text because it is a prayer about waiting for God. And as I speak about this topic, I'm aware that maybe for you there is something on your heart that you have been waiting for God to do in your life. And honestly, as I've prepared this sermon, watching the news this week, stories of Afghanistan and Haiti, the pandemic and climate change, I've struggled to write this sermon. I've realized the weight of what we talk about, and I don't say any of this lightly. And so I invite us to hold all of these things in our heart before God as we meditate on this psalm. So Psalm 130, it's attributed as a song of ascents. What does this mean? Most scholars understand the songs of ascent were used by the ancient Israelite pilgrims on their journey up to the temple in Jerusalem as they processed in. They say this particular psalm was written or adapted for use after the exile from Babylon, and so within it we hear the laments of a people who have struggled and failed atrociously again and again to live as his people for generations and generations but who still hold on to hope that God has not abandoned them and never will. And ever since, thousands of years of Christians and Jews of generations have continued to resonate with the feelings and ideas expressed within it. I'm actually going to go back on the slides to the... I wasn't going to do this, but I think it will help. What is the song about? Well, I imagine it's like this. Psalm 130 is a song about a dark, dark night. Everyone is sleeping, but they are awake. Their heart is heavy and they can't sleep. Maybe something has gone terribly wrong, and no matter how hard they try, they can't get it right. They're worried sick. Perhaps they've experienced once again the harsh reality of life that people can be horrible. When the psalmist here prays out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord, let your ears be attentive. They're not being nice about it. The depths in Hebrew thought evokes the darkness and chaos of death. The sense in the Hebrew is downright demanding, actually, and it's more like saying, for goodness sake, God, open your ears and listen to me because you feel so far away. What I like in this next section, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? The psalmist is taking a moment to pause and think about who they're praying to. They're thinking about who God is. This question is a bit like saying, if God kept a grudge, who could stand a chance? In saying, but with you there is forgiveness, they're leaning into who God is. God is in God's very essence forgiving, and they know that and they take comfort in that. I think this is the turning point in the song where the despair turns to hope. The psalmist resolves to hope in God's word and to wait. My soul waits for the Lord, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning more than those who watch for the morning. And in saying my soul waits, it is not, and I want to make very clear, that it's not waiting until I die to go to heaven and everything will be fine. That ancient Hebrew people did not think like that. Instead, I think it's a bit like I'm waiting here and it's taking every fibre of my being to do that. And as the song comes to an end, I think one of the best things about it is that the sun doesn't come up yet. It's still dark. The pilgrims keep walking as they sing. And in the end, the message of this psalm, too, is in those moments of darkness to remember who God is, to turn to him, to put your trust in him, because God in his very essence and character is steadfast, long-suffering, forgiving, faithful and merciful. It's who God is. God is more powerful to redeem and save us than we can comprehend. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. So what is patience? Patience is the ability to wait. And I think in this psalm we have seen it's a profoundly patient kind of waiting. A waiting that continues to endure the darkness of the world in hope and expectation that God will act. It's the kind of patience that, as Richard Raw once said, if you know him, this is good. It's the kind of patience who can hold together paradoxes, tensions, and have a tolerance for ambiguity. I want to say that one more time because it's that good. Patience is being able to hold together paradoxes, tensions, and have a tolerance for ambiguity. And I know for the students, lecturers, and anyone here who's read a book on theology, this experience of studying theology at Trinity for me has been a learning that such a kind of patience is needed as a Christian and studying the Bible because there are so few very easy, simple answers. We need a tolerance for ambiguity. Perhaps this psalm is also a prayer that we can pray in those moments when we don't know what to say to God and I think that's one of the beauties of the book of psalms that we have the prayer book of these patient saints who have run before us and we have their prayers, prayers to pray. And so I want to finish today with a story that I found this week as I was researching in the library for my master's project. The topic of my master's project, I think it's Very exciting. I'm doing it on how people come to faith as adults who weren't brought up in Christian homes. And I found this little testimony story of a 34-year-old woman named Esther, a PhD graduate who came to faith after she made a Christian friend at graduate school. In her words, who was the first intellectual Christian she had known. And this is what she says about her experience, and it's on the slide there. When you convert, there's a kind of enthusiasm. You set yourself very high standards because a part of you believes that you can be living like that. Then after you fall on your face five or six times, you begin to think either I'm not a Christian or something else is going on that I need to address. What you go through is called a second conversion. I can be narcissistic, I can be selfish, I can fail, I can be less than what I want to be and still be a Christian because I have some appreh- unpreh- that's a hard word say. apprehension <laughs> of God's love and forgiveness. I have some apprehension of that, I know it. It makes living a lot different when you see each day as an opportunity to go out on a detective hunt and at least try to look for some signs of grace here and there. She says, in some ways, being a Christian can actually expose you to stress rather than alleviate it, because you have to take evil seriously, deal with the brute reality of death, and face your own human finitude. Being a Christian means living in tension, because you're simultaneously given a vision of just how wonderful a thing a God-saturated world can really be, and you're made brutally aware of the fact that hasn't happened yet. I love seeing how you resonate with that because when I read it as well, I felt it just really captures what it's like to live out this kind of profound profound patience with all these ambiguities and tensions and far few easy answers. That can at the same time wait and watch to see what God will do in our lives now and in the age to come. Let's pray. Lord God, we are waiting for you. Lord, I ask that as we struggle, whatever struggle that is, as we wait, that we might come to trust in your goodness and unfailing love for us, that we might trust your power to redeem the whole world from all its sin and trouble, in the knowledge that your spirit lives within us. We pray that you would fill us with your spirit, and bring about the fruit of patient endurance through these times. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by Trinity College Queensland. Honest answers to tough questions. Visit trinity.qld.edu.au to learn more.